Welcome back to our afternoon service. I just want to make it clear as we begin this morning or this afternoon that if you go to sleep, we're not going to bother you unless you're snoring too loudly. But when you wake up, if there's nobody else here, you go ahead and turn out the lights and lock the door. Now, it's sometimes hard for us to stay awake after we have a good meal. We did have a good meal. Appreciate all those who prepared that and and so thankful that so many have come back here to be with us this afternoon. She was 81. He was 85. They had a good morning that morning. And as they went about their business, she went to the beauty shop. Her husband went out. He gathered up the mail, stopped and he chatted with his neighbor. They went in. They meticulously laid out a blue blazer and a powder blue dress. And then they had lunch, and they decided to go for a drive after lunch. They went out to a corner of their property, and they parked there, and they began to talk. In the distance, there were cows that were grazing, and so it was a beautiful, hot August day. And then after they talked for a little while, the husband pulled his gun, shot his wife in the heart, his wife of 60 years in the heart, and then turned the gun on himself. We think, how in the world could that happen? But as we think about that particular couple, they had placed a note right beside the blue blazer and the powder blue dress. And that note said something like this. You probably can't read it on the screen. But they said, this we know will be a terrible shock and embarrassment. But as we see it, it's one solution to the problem of growing old. We greatly appreciate your willingness to try to take care of us. After being married for 60 years, it only takes, uh, makes sense for us to leave this world together because we love each other so much. Don't grieve because we had a very good life and saw our two children turn out to be such fine persons. Love, mother and father. Someone has said that the pioneer spirit causes us to want to be self-reliant. But that self-reliance carries over into old age as well. And so when we begin to see the things and the symptoms of old age, as it were, creeping up on us, that pioneer spirit has an effect on us. When we think about the young people in our midst and the young people of the world, they really seldom think about growing older. It, it, when you talk about growing older to most young people, it's getting to be 16 years old so that I can drive a car or getting to be just a little bit older so I'll have a little bit more independence in my own life. And when they think about getting older, if they think about it, you know, getting even, even older than driving and, and having a little more independence, it's, it's having the prime of life. They're looking forward to, to the good things in life, and that's what getting older means to them. But for those who are growing older, the perspective changes, doesn't it? When we begin to think about life itself and getting older, some of the difficulties that we face with old age itself, uh, it causes us to begin to think. We focus on the pain, the joint pain, the, the possibility, you know, in years to come of someone having to wait on us to take care of us hand and foot. And many live in the dread of the days when they cannot be self-reliant. And so we understand, we, we can talk about it, but I want to suggest something this afternoon. May we, for both age groups, for those who are younger and for those who are older as well, 
May I suggest that we probably need to change the focus, again, change the perspective. In our nation, we have thought about, and many laws have been passed in regard to, uh, to discrimination. Uh, there's, uh, you can't discriminate on uh, the basis of sex or national origin or age. And emphasis has been put on these areas by lawmakers. But I want you to know this afternoon that in Christ, there is total non-discrimination. God does not look at people in the same way that we sometimes look at people. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we think about what is said in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 at verse number 12, where the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and says, let no one despise your youth. But that quickly, very quickly in our lives, changes to what is said in the book of Titus chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Older men are to be sober-minded. And then we talked about this morning as well, the older women likewise are to be reverent and, of course, teachers of good things. There is a place for everyone in the Lord's church. Everyone who is willing to serve God acceptably. Because as we read in the book of Acts chapter 10 verses 34 and 35, that God shows no partiality. And then he says in verse 35, But in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now realize Acts chapter 10 is in context of Jews, Peter in particular, and Gentiles, Cornelius and his household, I realize that he is talking about uh, the difference between the Jewish and the Gentile nations and the fact that God accepts every one of them, both Jew and Gentile, into his kingdom uh, alike and, and without discrimination of any kind. But I want you to focus what he says on, in verse 35, that anyone in any nation... That would include not only Jew and Gentile, but that would include young and old as well. And so God shows no partiality. Paul wrote again, or wrote it in the book of Romans, chapter 2 at verse number 11, simply this, God shows no partiality. But as we think about it this afternoon in the few minutes that we have together, what are some of the things that, that I need to remember about growing older? Now, you may think the lesson is for those who have reached a certain age, and I would suggest to you that it's not. It is, this lesson is for everyone from every age group, from the young folks who are sitting up here to the oldest person in the audience. And I dare not call names because I don't know. Y'all just have to volunteer that out yourself, okay? But from one age to the other, this lesson is something that I should apply. And so what is it? Well, I want to focus mainly on two things this afternoon, and we'll break those down into a couple of different parts themselves. But number one on my list, as I grow older, I must keep my faith strong. I must keep my faith strong. I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're in elementary school and have just become a Christian, you know, reaching the middle school years or the high school years or if you've been a Christian for 50 years, we must keep our faith strong. That's one of the problems sometimes that, that folks have. They let their faith wane. If you have your Bible this afternoon, I hope that you'll turn with me to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. 
In the book of Joshua chapter 14, we'll spend some time there talking about uh, this idea of keeping our faith strong. But I want to begin in chapter 14, in verses 6 through 12. We won't take time to read that all uh, word for word. But let me just simply remind us that what is happening here is that Caleb, one of the 12 spies who was originally sent out to spy out the land and had come back along with Joshua and said, yes, we can take the land. The other, other 10, you know, had said, no, we can't do it. But, but, but Caleb reminds Joshua of a promise that Moses and that God through Moses had made to him, that, that God promised him that he could have a certain part of the land. And, and uh, as we look at it, it, it's not just any part of the land. It is the hill country of the land. It was some of the most uh, difficult, if you will, to, to go out and fight in because of the, the hills and the mountains. It was some of the hardest to conquer because those who were already there would have an advantage by being on the high ground. And so as we look at it, Caleb reminds Joshua that God had promised that to him. And if you look at verse number 12, the passage simply says, So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. If you back up to verse 10... Though, as we have Joshua and Caleb in their conversation, I want you to, I want you to think about why it is that Joshua, or that rather that Caleb, uh, said that he wanted Joshua to give it to him even at that point. Some of the things that are under consideration. Verse 10 says, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming." Caleb still believed that at the age of 85, he was capable of doing whatever it was he set out to do. You know what Caleb had? Caleb had faith in himself. Caleb had faith in himself. That's not a bad thing. You see, we, we must believe that we can do things. Caleb had faith in himself. He said, I'm still as strong today as I was a long, long time ago, 45 years ago. Now, we look and we say, how in the world could that be? Well, I'm not sure that all exactly everything that he said was uh, I don't think he meant that probably he had no pains of any kind or any of those kinds of things, but he still had faith in himself. Today, faith in ourself is a prerequisite of success at any age. Through the years, I have known a lot of folks that didn't have faith in themselves. 
They didn't think they could, and you can fill in the blank whatever it was that they that you want in the blank. They didn't think that they could. They didn't think that they had the capability of doing whatever it is. I'm thankful that I grew up, and I was encouraged that you can do anything that you truly set your mind to do. You must believe that you can. Some folks don't believe that they can, they can have a good grade in school. Some folks don't believe that they can uh, uh, take a test. Some folks don't believe that they can get a good job. Some folks don't believe that they're as good as other folks. You see, we have to have some of that within ourselves. If not, then we're going to fail. Faith in oneself is what promotes success, no matter how old we are. And so, we need never to stop believing that we can. And along with that goes the idea, the concept of that I am valuable. I'm valuable to someone, for something in particular. And so, as we talked about this morning, we talked about some of the, some of the things that older women and older men can give. You know, some of the things for which age is required to be a good teacher, to be a good uh, leader, one who, who is a stability within the church. Always understand that you have that at your fingertips. That you can help provide advice and knowledge and wisdom in certain aspects of life. And that you indeed are valuable. That you have something to offer. Too many times we get to the point that in our life we think I have nothing left to give. But Caleb had faith in himself. And we need faith in ourselves as well. But I want us to also understand this afternoon that not only did Caleb have faith in himself, Caleb had faith in God. And I think both of those go hand in hand. Again, look at Joshua chapter 14 at verse number 10. The Bible says, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke to Moses. How was it that Caleb believed that he was still alive at the age of 85? He believed it was the hand of God. He believed that God had a part in his life. And then look at verse number 12 again. We read a part of it just a little while ago. So now give me this hill country which the Lord spoke on that day... For you heard on that day how the Anakim, the giants, were there and had great fortified cities. And this is the part you need to focus on. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Caleb said, I, I'm capable of doing it. I'm 85 years old. I can, I can get up and I can go. I can go out and come in. But Caleb, even though he had faith in himself, knew where the strength was. He knew where the power was. He knew that it was God 
who could work through Him. If we ever forget that, then we will lose the focus that we need. It may be that some of the reason that we sometimes fail to have faith in ourselves is because we fail to have faith in God. Faith that God can still use us in His kingdom no matter what age we are. Whether we be young or whether we be middle-aged or whether we be getting on up in years, the Lord can still use us. And you know what? Even though I have to have faith in myself, I'm not the one. You're not the one. And you're not the most important one. The most important one in every one of our lives is God. And He is the one who has the power, had the power back at the very beginning to speak the world into existence. To say, let there be light, and there was. To speak and populate the earth with trees and plants and fish and birds and animals and insects and all of these things. And to take a lump of dirt, form it into a man, breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. If God could do that then and make a man alive, can he not use us in some way, no matter what age we are? And so I have to keep my faith strong. I have to believe in myself that I can, but I have to also believe that it's not just me. I'm not just doing my work. I'm not just doing what I want. I'm not just do- I am doing the work of the Lord. And so this afternoon, if I grow old... No matter what perspective I have, if I'm one of these teenagers and I'm thinking about getting to be 21 or 30 or whatever, or if I'm 55 and thinking about 65, and, or, or, or if I'm 80 and thinking about 90 or 99 and thinking about 100, I need to remember that my strength comes from God. But having faith in myself allows me to let God Use me to accomplish His will. We need both. And as we grow older, we need to keep that faith strong. But number two, as we begin to grow older, and again, no matter what age we may be, we should never allow ourselves to grow old in heart. To grow old in heart. You know, one of the unalterable facts of life is that we will grow older chronologically. Understand this. If you wake up tomorrow morning, you will be one day older than you were today. Oh, that's profound, isn't it? I'm getting older every single day. I'll be one day older tomorrow than I am today. And try as I may... I cannot stop the aging process. Uh, I was reading just a little bit. I did not read the entire article, but uh, some scientists somewhere have stumbled on what they think may cause us to be able to reverse the aging process. I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. 
We may slow some things down, but we're going to continue to get older. Try as I may, I can't stop that. In the book of Genesis, chapter 25, at verse number 8, there is a passage that I sometimes use in uh, funerals. In Genesis chapter 25 at verse number 8, the Bible talks about Abraham being the, at the age of 70, 175, how he passed away. The Bible says there in that verse, Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man. And, and then it says, and full of years and was gathered to his people. Consider some of the things that in those years that Abraham lived, consider some of the things that he saw, the things that he witnessed in his life. He had seen God fulfill a promise that he should go to a promised land and how God had brought him there. He didn't inherit it, but his heirs would in the years to come. God had brought him to that land. He had seen God fulfill a promise to give him a son, even though he was old and past the years of bearing children. And God had provided one anyway. And though it had its bumps in the road, Abraham's life had been good and it had been long. I guess the point that I want to make this afternoon is this. Life can be full of years or years can be full of life. I think Abraham had both. He had a long life, but he had a good life. He had a life that was full of years, but he had years that were full of life because of his relationship with God. I mentioned Methuselah this morning, being 969 years old. But what else do we know of his life? His life was full of years, but were his years full of life? That's a question that we do not have the answer to. You know, far too many, they grow old and they grow bitter. You ever noticed someone or known of someone who, as they aged, had more and more of that get off my lawn kind of thing going on? They get grumpy and they get bitter at life itself. It doesn't have to be that way, nor should it be that way. There are some folks who seem to try to start dying at a relatively early age. They begin growing old in heart. Life does not hold meaning for them. It may be that we should probably face life with uh, a little bit of humor. And especially growing older with a little bit of humor in our life. There's a poem by Marjorie Webster that's simply entitled, Old Age is Golden. Listen to it carefully. Old age is golden, I've heard it said, but sometimes I wonder as I get into bed... With the aid from my ear snug in the drawer that and surgical socks cast aside on the floor, my teeth smiling back at me from their cup, my specs on the table until I wake up. 
as sleep overtakes me. I say to myself, is there anything else I could lay on the shelf? I wake up each morning and dust off my wits and pick up the paper and read the obits. If my name is missing, I know I'm not dead, so I take all the medicines and pop back in bed. When I was young, my shoes were bright red. I could kick up my heels right over my head. When I was older, my shoes became blue, but still I could dance the whole night through. So how do you know that my youth is all spent? Well, my get up and go has got up and went. But I really don't mind when I think with a grin of all the grand places my get up has been. You know, we may have to have some of those aids along the way. And we may not be able to do as much as we sometimes were. But as we think about life, the blessing that we have, if we keep the right perspective on God and on ourselves, then it doesn't have to be something that is to be dreaded, something that is to be so bad that it would cause an 81 and an 85-year-old to say, this is best. Maybe we could face life with a little bit of humor rather than bitterness. But you know what? Can't let my, my, my life, my heart grow old, can't grow old in heart and become bitter when I have so much with which I've been benefited. Turn, if you will, to Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5. In Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5, what David does is that he lists five marvelous benefits that God gives. Now, I won't take time to read verse uh, word for word, but in verse 3, I want you to note that David says one of the benefits that God gives is forgiveness of our iniquity. In verse number 3 as well, the Bible talks about how David said God gives us the benefit of healing our diseases. In verse number 4, He redeems your life from the pit. Also in verse number 4, He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. All of those are benefits that we get from God. But look at verse number 5. Psalm 103, verse 5. Another and the fifth of the benefits that David mentions here, he speaks about God who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now I'm told from Bible scholars that this, this verse is very difficult to translate. But most seem to believe that one of the most accurate translations of the verse is found in the New American Standard Bible, where the Bible translates it simply this way, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. If that is indeed the proper translation of it, what we have is one who is older, who has a benefit from God that he helps them to be more like a young person. Now, I don't think he's talking about necessarily the fact that, that, that we could get out and go play basketball or football like a, an 18-year-old could. 
if we're getting older. But he's talking about the inside. The heart. The part that comes out either bitter or better. Either bitter or benefited. If I think about it in that way, then this particular phrase means something like this. Your disposition will be that of a youth. You will continue to soar as the majestic eagle. If we combine all that's taught in in this passage and, and we put it all together, those who walk with the Lord who are recipients of His gracious benefits, even though they advance in years, will nonetheless possess a spirit of delightful vigor, savoring their lives and praising God for His beneficence. I think that's the idea. What David's telling us. But you know what? That's taught in the New Testament as well. Turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul writes and says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. If you take that in its context in verses 8 through 12... Paul talks about how that he is afflicted in in every way. He he talks about being persecuted and struck down. And and he talks about all of these things that he's going through in his own life. If you read verses 17 at chapter 4, the verse after uh, the one that we just read, all the way through chapter 5 at verse number 5, what we find is that we are going through many things. The old tent that we're living in is getting old and being destroyed. The tabernacle, the body that we're living in, he talks about all of that. And yet the focus is to be the fact that we don't lose heart because the inside is being renewed. You see, as a Christian, we may face many struggles and trials and obstacles, and even the obstacles, physical obstacles of old age. But we must not lose heart. To lose one's motivation to accomplish some valid goal would be to lose heart. To become discouraged would be to lose heart. To give up would be to lose heart. The very definition of the word that's translated lose heart. It's used in other passages such as 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 at verse 13. As for you brothers, don't grow weary in well-doing. And in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 9, let us not grow weary. That's losing heart here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. God will benefit us. God has benefited us. God will continue to benefit us if we allow Him to use us 
and renew that heart. You know what? My life may get bad by the standards of this world, but that's not all there is. I'm sure everyone in here remembers the old song, Jesus Loves Me. And when you sing the song, Jesus Loves Me, who do you probably think about? Well, that's a children's song that we sing in classes. You know, we sometimes start the little boys out when they come up here to lead a song, when they're still little bitty fellas, you know, in diapers, and we come up here and hold them. You know what song we sing? Sometimes we sing, Jesus Loves Me, don't we? And so we associate Jesus loves me with children. Well, I don't know if you know it or not, but a man by the name of C.D. Fry, F-R-E-Y, he, he penned some new words to the tune of Jesus loves me. These are his words. Jesus loves me, this I know, though my hair is white as snow. Though my sight is growing dim, he still bids me trust in him. And then the chorus, yes, Jesus loves me. And it goes on, though my steps are oh so slow, with my hand in his I'll go. Oh, through life, let come what may, he'll be there to lead the way. When the nights are dark and long, in my heart he puts a song, telling me in words so clear, I have, have no fear, for I am near. When my work on earth is done, and life's victory's been won, he will take me home above, to the fullness of his love. You know, Jesus loves me is not just for the little fellows. It's for everyone, young, old alike. I have an autographed copy of Brother Hugo McCord's translation of the New Testament. Brother McCord autographed it for me. He was supported for a number of years by the Atwood congregation and uh, in his mission work, and they were his overseeing congregation. And so in one of the first editions that uh, came out, uh, one, one time when he was at uh, Atwood, he, he autographed it for me. You know, I treasure that. I uh, uh, think of him and, and think of good things. But what he wrote on the inside as he autographed it were these words that you see to the right of the book. The best is yet to be. He's an elderly man at this point, and his motto in life was, the best is yet to be. He wasn't looking at the pain and the struggles and the hurts and the heartaches of life. He was looking even beyond it. The best is yet to be. No matter how old or how weary and worn or how sick and tired a faithful Christian may get, that statement is still oh so true. The best is yet to be. And so as we continue to grow older in this life, we must never let age rob us of faithfulness and joy in life. For the faithful Christian, the best is yet to be. And if we take nothing else home, Today, one of the things that I most need to know is the best is yet to be. It may be this afternoon that there's something amiss in your life that you need to make right. It may be that you would like to put your Lord on in baptism. 
If we can assist you in any way, why don't you come?